This story is brought to your ears by all our fantastic supporters on Patreon. To get in on the action yourself with bloopers, extras, and the occasional early story, join us at patreon.com slash voiceofallmtg. We'd like to thank our newest patrons, Eric Lindstrom and Jeff Ginger, for already donating. For more stories or just a chat, visit voiceofallmtg.com or find us on Twitter at voiceofallmtg. And now, Voice of All presents Aim Through the Target, Episode 2 of Kaldheim Extras by Setsu Uzume. For a tight, breathless moment, there was no ground. Nico's boot came down through shimmering unrealities and landed on a plank of wood with a light thump. It was much smoother than the first time they traveled. Shorter. Easier. The momentum carrying them forward on a tiny boat from a lonely outpost on an ice-strewn shore, through the skin between worlds, to an entirely different port. The skiff bumped against a wooden pylon, and Nico hauled themselves up to get their bearings. Everything was so bright after the spate of gloomy weather that dogged the Kana on Bretagard. The vast network of docks twined lazily over a mirror-black lake with no land in any direction except the dock, barely visible in the cool mist. Nico's breath fogged, but they weren't cold. They breathed in through their nose, waiting for the icy bite of winter to prick their lungs as it had the moment they'd fled from Theros to Kana lands, but there was no sudden chill this time. The air was cool and bracing, alive, the perfect temperature for a tournament. They pressed on, the docks crossing and recrossing themselves like the strata of ages. Among the planks were carvings of all manner of beasts, great bears and dragons, boars and rabbits, squirrels, fish and whales. Nico stepped and hopped around these symbols with the grace of a dancer, amused and unsurprised that Kaldheimers set their boasts and stories into the very ground. Squinting, Nico twitched the silver-violet lock of hair out of their eyes and took it all in. Proud as a palace, strong as a fortress, the hall was a curving A-frame, like the interlacing fingers of a line of dancers. The hall itself was tended under towering branches that pulsed with magic. This was the absolute pinnacle of the world tree, a living ornament at the height of the realm. Nico had seen it tooled into Kana armor as a trinity of stars, or hanging in the sky as a triple diamond, the only light in a starless expanse of undulating color. Up close, it was so much more. Stone meniers stood sentry at the base of the stairway, their concentric carvings lovely and unreadable as Nico began the climb. With each step, understanding and longing bloomed in their chest. They knew why Chell had spoken of it as he did. Nakana described Starnheim as paradise, the Omen Seekers as a puzzle to be unlocked. Nico thought that meant riches and rest, but the place soothed something far deeper. Every step was like the last stretch of road to safety. The warmth radiating from its heart carried the same promise as a dozen hands sharing the work of the feast. Music and chatter hummed through the air, ready at any moment to burst into welcome. Blue and violent light swam over Nico's brown skin as their throat tightened. Tears of relief squeezed behind their eyes, and like an embrace, the doors opened. 
The moment Nico crossed the threshold, they understood what every mortal on Bredegard yearned for. It was more than the relief of Journey's End, more than celebration. Starnheim was home. The hall's architecture was both built and grown, like a sweeping ruin restored to the height of its glory. Nico saw faces like and unlike theirs, tattooed, pierced, bare, and others made of pure obsidian stone. Warriors and poets, humans, dwarves, elves, and giants that glittered with frost or glowed with lava. Also among them were those who looked like farmers or soft-handed scholars, those whose bravery and cunning dared them to greatness for glory, love, or justice. Every tale floated on a sea of raucous laughter and the rich smells of roasting meat, seasoned vegetables, and crackling logs. Mindful of their mission, Nico glanced up. Above the long table, the feasting, the honored dead, and their endless stories, layers of cloud glowed brightly within the canopy of the world tree's branches. Some white clouds remained, but behind them, deep blue-gray clouds began to emerge, threatening a storm. Only Nico seemed to notice. More drink! shouted a wiry warrior with a flame-red beard and rust-colored tattoos covering their arms and chest. <laughs> Say it into your horn, idiot! This other warrior was in splint mail, laugh lines like deep ruts in her leathery face. She shoved a drinking horn as long as her arm into Flamebeard's hand. Mead! Flamebeard shouted into the horn. The horn filled instantly, spilling down their front. The first sip of wedding mead, a gift from my wife's family. The woman's horn filled with liquid gold, redolent of wildflower fields where the honey was made. Joss! This, an omen seeker with a long scar slashed across the map of his face like a destination marker. His horn overflowed with white foam flecked with black. <coughs> what in all the realms is this? Map Mark wiped foam from his mouth with relish. Ah, dragon egg whites whipped into cream, infused with herbs and sap resin. Ugh, is that how you died? Splintmail grimaced. How can you let such filth touch your mouth? Nico slipped in among them. I asked your wife the same thing when I left her on shore. Matt Mark howled with laughter, slapped Nico on the back, and held out his horn. Drink, Thera! Damn it! <laughs> Splintmail laughed, took a heroic swig of the strange foam, chased it with her own drink, and handed the horn back. <laughs> Who are you, steelhead? The stylist who had dyed Nico's black locks would have been mortified to hear their mirror-like hues compared to something as crude as steel. Nico grabbed a horn and thought of home. It bubbled with something citrus, sweet and strong, carrying with it the memory of night swimming in a summer sea. Nico put the drink to their lips, but didn't drink. Greatest name first? Splintmail grinned, pushing a plate of roast boar toward Nico. For a sailrand, she of the Beskir clan. Matt Mark slurped another swig of foam. Gala Nobeth, he of the Omen Seeker ship Ice Cutter, repelled an entire skelly raid to protect my grandson's family. Flamebeard thumped their mud soaked chest. Vignut, day of the Toscari. 
And then broken brows pet mages for running away rather than getting dust on their pretty little boots. Regroup or be routed. Warriors and berserkers out front, mages at a distance. Vignut scoffed, spraying the table directly in front of them. <laughs> Raiders, trolls, dragons. If you're not in spitting distance, you're not in the fight. Nico flinched back, slapping a hand over their own horns opening. You're a mess, Viggy. Drink with your mouth closed. No breath tossed a cloth at the flame-bearded youth. Sailrend. I've heard of you. The story had been tragic and triumphant. How she had fought her traitorous brother and killed him with his own sword rather than defiling her own. Nico might have found the subject painful in Thura's place and finished on a more diplomatic note. Beagie told your story to a room full of Karna and Omen Seekers. Your name has spread far. Thora pounded the table. Ha! See? The storyteller herself tells Beskir tales to your people. Fermented shark's blood! Drink! Chokes on you! I like this stuff! No Breath took the horn from Thora and threw back a long draught. But I'm not listening to the song of your death again. I want to hear something new. Great names have spoken, Steelhair. Tell us how you earned the glory of Starnheim. Nico Eris, they of Melitus. And I'm here because I never miss. The other three listened while Nico told their tale. The powerful oracle who decreed that Nico would become an unbeatable champion, never miss and never lose. Ceaseless training brought victory, and victory fame, but it was meaningless. What was the point of fate without purpose? At the last Acroan Games, where the jewels of every polis gathered to compete, Nico threw their javelin, spat in the face of destiny, and intentionally lost. Fate itself sent an agent to punish and push me back, to correct the weave I had unraveled. What happened then? Did you kill the assassin? We fought. Nico had been terrified, desperate. Trapping an agent of fate in a marishard was like a, a child stomping an adult's toe. More surprise than strategy. Nico's entire being lit up, a lightning rod for something buried deep within. Their destiny was a lie, and they could run anywhere, go anywhere with a thought. No breath watched Nico put the horn to their mouth and not drink. That's sticking it to the gods, eh? Knives in the dark won't change the fact you've proved them wrong. Thura waved the Omen Seeker off. The gods aren't always right. The boats in the Black Harbor say as much. They've got to earn their place in Starnheim same as anyone. Over Thura's shoulder, Nico caught sight of a huge, fluffy cat whose fur mirrored the storm clouds that hung over the feast. It was at least twice the size Little Threat had been, and like Starnheim itself, the cat's eyes and the edges of its fur shimmered with polar light the same light that sparked off Valkyrie's wings. It was also the first creature Nico had seen in the home of the Valkyries that wasn't obviously a person, and the cat seemed to watch Nico with the same interest. I'll be back. I have friends to see. They handed their full horn of Theron sparkling blue to Vignut. The cat trotted off and Nico followed, leaving Vignut and the others to taste what they would of another world. The cat glanced back at Nico, twitched its ear, 
then took off again through the boasting crowd. It took a sharp left and disappeared through a gap in the wall and into a crawl space. Nico followed, emerging into a quiet hall, the stone floor as black as the lake, lit overhead by a silent storm. For about half a mile, Nico followed the cat's green and violet light to another small gap, the echoing arguments beyond suggesting a much larger space. Tremor in the world tree. If travel continues to be this challenging, how are we to collect the dead and bring them here unharmed? The cat slowed, stretched, lashed its fluffy tail, and disappeared through the hole. Nico knew how to make a good impression on Theros, but Chell had taught them much since then, including how to make a good impression on Kaldheim. Kick the door in, punch one of them in the face. Nico slid through, stood tall, and gaped. There were dozens of them, scattered among the world tree's branches like a flock of raptors. Uniformly tall and striking in appearance, the Valkyries wore armor of all types in silver, gold, and burnished black and bronze. Layers of fur and stone amulets on chains distinguished some, while others swam through the hall in tooled belts and harnesses plated with the most finely crafted metal Nico had seen since leaving home. Their long braids were ringed with cuffs like the bands of snakes, and many drank from long horns like the flame-bearded berserker. Those with white wings radiated the pale hues of dawn, and their black-winged counterparts, like the one Nico had captured, ribboned with the strange greens and blues of a deep winter night. What could possibly threaten these gods? A honeyed voice came from a pale-winged Valkyrie with deep brown skin. Aggressor, did you find a little friend? Are you lost, my dear? You should return to the feast. It took a moment for Nico to realize the Valkyrie was now addressing them rather than the cat. Valkyrie of Starnheim, I am Nico Eris. They of- Yes, go on. Back to the hall with you. Nico scanned the room, looking for the dark-skinned Valkyrie with yellow hair and dove-gray wings, a witness to what had happened. But there were so many of them. I don't belong in the hall. I'm not supposed to be here. Be brave, little one. You're safe. I assure you. Nico ground their teeth. These beings were no different than Clothis, or the Agent, or the Oracle who used fate as a cage to keep people controlled. Nico addressed them with a voice trained for stadiums. I am from Theros, a land that has never heard of you. My name is Nico Eris, and I captured one of you to stop a meaningless death and find a way here. Two clans of Bretagard pulled their power to bring you a warning. The Cosmos Serpent is coming for you. It will see your hall destroyed, your dead obliterated, and your lake drained to nothing. There will be nothing left of your home but the dregs of a pig's trough. Another Valkyrie, white gold hair and pale skin in sharp relief against the black clouds roiling among the world tree's branches, rested her chin in her hand. Evocative. And impossible. The Valkmir Lake and everything on it is our blood and bone. We cannot be taken unawares here. And yet no one greeted me at the door. Your cat has better manners. The grey cat leapt onto the blonde's shoulder, nuzzling her snowy wing. Must have taken you for a nosy little squirrel, didn't you, Agro? The cat accepted a scritch, shimmering with polar light, then perked his ears, spooked. 
He launched a vertical 20 feet, vaulted off a raptor, and disappeared into the interlacing branches above. The open archway that overlooked the lake filled with black wings. Found you, mortal! Nico recognized him the moment he spoke. Avtir, the missing reaper, glided into a hard landing. The agate green glow of his wings blazed, erasing his shadow and turning his brown skin pale, brown eyes almost a yellow with fury. All the Valkyries watched with confusion. Avtir looked a little worse for wear, his long black braids a bit less lustrous and his wings ungroomed, like a crow in a downpour. He shook out his wings, tugged irritably at the tight binding circling his ribs beneath his armor, and stalked toward the center of the airy. He jabbed a finger at Nico. This mortal interrupted our judgment and showed no respect for the laws by which all of Coldheim lives and dies. Not even the upstart Scotty gods would show such audacity! Avtir didn't draw his sword, but rage crackled off him as though he might do so at any moment. His blackened armor glinted as he pointed at different Valkyries, some huddled close as siblings, others sneering at the mention of their counterpart. Evot, Tove, will you let this affront go unpunished? What about you, Gisela? If Alstic had been attacked by a mortal under the auspices of keeping Frith in the middle of a pitched battle, would you have abandoned her? Of course not. You would have fought! This vision they speak of is nothing but Finn Snake Hunter chasing his lost youth. Could you imagine that blowhard flailing against a creature whose body encircles the world tree itself? Outrageous. Avtir rounded on Nico with a sweep of his wings. Nico had to adjust their stance to keep from being blown back. That little stoat forced me to negotiate my freedom with a Vedrune rather than face me themselves. Not only an invasion, but a craven, deceptive- Another Valkyrie glided down from the branches on dove gray wings that shimmered blue as a winter moon. Their yellow hair framed a brown face with severe gray eyes. Avdir, are you hurt? What happened to your wings? Nico recognized them, the other one from the battlefield. Their presence seemed to blunt Avtir's anger. The ways through the cosmos are crowded. If I had carried a mortal with me, I might have lost them. When did you leave me there, Ritva? Ritva turned up toward the others. I told you something was wrong. Look at the clouds. They boil with the violence of the lower realms. Your journey did that to you, and not I. You don't have the strength. A child's trick at best. Nico had to convince all the Valkyries, and quickly. They recalled a flamboyant gesture of honesty in Akros drawing one Xipoi, touching the tip of the sword to one's own belly, and offering the hilt to the offended party. Instead of alarming everyone by conjuring a weapon, Nico revealed its secrets. If something cracks or shatters the mirror, you're free. The more traps that require my attention, the less time I can hold them. And if I forget about you, since I don't have to concentrate on just one, the magic wears off on its own. A few hours at most. You were never in danger from me. The other Valkyries all looked to Avtir, his accusations and experiences seeming to help rather than hurt Nico's case. Avtir blew air from his nose, beaten but unwilling to concede. He muttered a long string of curses Nico couldn't understand and swept out of the airy with Ritva at his elbow. Then he froze. Ritva touched his arm, staring at the sky in horror. 
mother of us all. High above them, past the soft serenity of the cloud line, the smooth expanse of twilight began to boil with infection. As if seen through thin ice, glimpses of other realms appeared, sharpened, faded, as though dozens of doom scars pressed in on the edges of Starheim. Land and sky met at orthogonal gravities, showing lakes of fire flowing uphill, a long drop onto broken boulders tufted with moss and lichen, and a familiar land under strange skies. The last image swelled, rippled, and tore. At first, it looked like a festering puncture, a congealing length of black blood oozing into reality. But the rivulet tensed and drew back into itself, trunk thickening, skin splitting and flaking off into the Valkmir like falling leaves of pure iridescence, each the size of a village. What began as a featureless slug coiled and tensed in the air, bulging and bristling with scales and spikes. The creature solidified into a massive armored eel, born from the interstices of the cosmos itself. And then there was the sound. The jaw opened, dislocated, venom-laced teeth like towering spikes glistened against the cyanotic flesh of its maw. Its shriek ripped through the sky, a tortured cacophony of twisted metal, toppled cities, whole worlds ground to rubble. Nico's hands over the ears went numb from fear. Coma, the Cosmos Serpent. If an omen path was an opening between worlds, the gash this creature caused was a violation. Arcs of magical energy skittered and crackled like a parasite's acid to weaken the soft skin of the world. Nico looked to the Valkyries for structure, for leadership, but there was none. They were as scared as Nico was. This shouldn't be possible. Someone must have released it, sent it. But who would attack us? Why? We... we have to fight it. We can't let it harm the people. We have to run! The serpent thrashed, and the black lake roiled in its wake. Clouds churned, and the serpent lunged at the sight of movement, the snap of its jaw resounding like a boulder split by lightning. With the way between worlds unstable? Absolutely not. I won't abandon our home, our blood, not without a fight. A wild, hysterical memory of Threat the Ratcatcher crossed Nico's mind, the way it chased Nico's mirrors wherever Nico threw them. If we can't fight and we can't run, then we have to herd it back out. Fly in close, right side or left side. Make it chase you the way cats chase toys. And if we can't outfly that thing? M mirror. It's safe. Too small to see. Animals follow what looks alive, right? We tug its attention, like tugging on reins, and drive it back out through one of those holes. Ridva and Avtir exchanged a glance, then looked up at the creature. What about the dead? Can they fly? If not, keep them inside. If that thing gets distracted, the plan's finished. You see what I see in them, dear one. Don't be stubborn. It should go back through the path it came from. I won't risk sending it to some random, undeserving place. Done. And if we can follow it home, then maybe we can find the one who sent it. With grim resolve, Avtir followed Ritva's lead. The two Valkyries pulled their horns from their belts and blew, assembling all their kin from the Endless Hall. They 
gathered spears, swords, shields, war hammers, and axes, and made final adjustments to their armor and formed up. Nico swept one arm across their chest, then the other, stretching their shoulders. They tried to notice the fear without getting lost in it, the same way they managed their nerves in the last moments of darkness before entering the blazing sun and a packed arena full of faceless strangers screaming their name. Moving targets from a moving platform they had trained for. But this... This time they might die. This time immortals might die. Nico had only meant to bring a warning, not lead the charge. This place meant so much to so many. To Thora, no breath. The Berserker Youth. Chell. They deserve to come home at the end of their time. Nico wanted to see them again. The athlete. The professional. Bounced on the balls of their feet, tempering the rush of adrenaline into a steady reserve for the marathon to come. Forty Valkyries took to the air in waves, including Ritva, who carried Nico. Nico's stomach dropped as they watched the dock shrink to a narrow line between the hall and the endless black lake. A thin, flimsy defense. The sky bubbled, other realms still stretching and pressing inward. Visions of primordial forests and the charred remains of villages dilated and winked out on all sides. Ritva and Nico detached from the main group and headed for the monster. Ritva pulled up to avoid being blown off course by Koma's wake as it swam through the sky. Avtir beat his wings, green light blazing through black feathers, and flew ahead to find breakers they could ride toward the serpent's head. Ready? Nico tried to call Ready back, but their mouth had gone bone dry from fear. They spoke with their weapon instead, muscle memory taking over where conscious thought had fled. Deep as your light radiated from the length of liquid silver, Nico formed into a javelin with a hooked end. Nico forced focus into their grip. They pointed at the base of the serpent's skull, their first target. That was enough for the Valkyries. Ridva and Avtir carried Nico together and dived. No sooner than Nico had angled their legs for the drop, they were airborne, the serpent's undulating body within reach. They landed, rolled, and used their momentum against the wind to land in a crouch, getting a feel for the way Koma moved. Nico bear-crawled across scales thick as boulders in some places and smooth as ice in others, each bearing an uncanny resemblance to Finn's shield. They slid down the last few feet of neck to bury their spear between the scales of Koma's skull. Gritting their teeth, Nico's power flowed down through the javelin to make an anchor, extending three prongs off the base that curled deeper into the beast's flesh. It stank of charred metal and acid. Nico angled their feet at either side of the wound, hoping their boots would save them from the worst of the burns. Nico raised their left hand, and Avtir, far to their left, sounded his horn. A squad of five Valkyries pressed forward, howling war cries and radiating stormlight. They beat their swords against shields, taunting Koma to come after them. Koma took the bait, flying onward after the light and the thunder, opening its jaws to snap up the nearest. The Valkyries scattered in all directions, and just as Koma's teeth closed on the slowest Valkyrie, Nico hurled a mirror, and the Valkyrie appeared to shatter into a thousand shards of glass while her true body, trapped in the still-hurtling mirror, sailed harmlessly out of Koma's reach. The serpent's jaws clamped down on nothing but clouds. When the trap released, the Valkyrie emerged from the glass as though falling from a mid-air trap door. She beat her wings, righted herself, 
and rejoined her unit out of Koma's periphery. It's working! Nico scanned the sky, looking for a pattern, and signaled for the next set of Valkyries to ready themselves. Another path opened, arcing with electricity but not yet fully formed. Nico raised their right hand, and Ritva blew their horn. Valkyries swarmed Koma's right side, hurling insults and taunts, waving their weapons but never striking. The second Koma's eyes were damaged, the plan would fall apart. The snake pounced, striking out at the Valkyries, and Nico threw mirror traps, disappearing the beast's prey. Each time the Valkyries fell out of Koma's periphery, Nico summoned another mirror, shattering the first. Koma flew onward, and Nico's holstered mirrors hovered nearby as Nico scanned for the right omen path. Koma's head jerked up and it shrieked. Nico felt the world tilt and nearly lost their balance. Koma must have felt the spears and itch. Nico dropped their knees and shifted forward, letting the first javelin shatter. They dug their gloved fingers under two of Koma's scales and heaved, holding them up with their forearms and driving two thicker, shorter spears into the soft flesh beneath. Koma howled, thrashed its head back and forth, and spun around in the air. Every inch of Nico's body clung to Koma's scales, even as the serpent's acid blood sizzled and flecked against their armor. Kana armor. Bretagard armor. Gifted without expectation of anything in return, because whoever you find in the snow is either foe or family, there is nothing in between. Nico righted himself. Knees dug in, two spears dug deep, mirrors circling as more omen paths opened, belching detritus or storm winds or desert dust. None of them were right. It had opened before, where was it? Which one? Nico. Ritva and Avtir called out commands, and Koma flew where they told it to. The Valkyries were down to their last two squads. Nico's arms felt leaden, their core and lungs burned. They had to keep going. If not for the Valkyries in Starnheim, then for all Kaldheimer who lived under its light and the promise of home. Koma pitched to the left, and Nico crouched down into the centrifugal force that held them in place. Out of the corner of their vision, another omen path opened just over the Valkmir. Nico! He'd seen it too. If Koma didn't destroy this place, the portals still might. Eyes bleary from the relentless wind, Nico blinked to clear them. And they saw a portal open, unlike any others. No glittering waterfalls or mossy mountains, but billowing clouds glowing with flame. A crush of bodies rolling in a battle like the end of the world. Without safety or certainty, Nico chose. There! Fast! Avtir blew the horn, and the last squad of Valkyries mobilized, roaring for battle, blazing with light, and drawing the serpent to follow. As they hurtled toward the ground, to the space between the dock and the blood-black water, the hole in the world began to close. Nico could barely lift their arms. If they threw a mirror now, they knew they'd miss. They almost smiled. It made their choice simpler. Nico roared, funneling every ounce of their magic, every drop of strength into the two anchor spikes in Koma's skull. The javelins lengthened, and Koma felt it. The last Valkyrie dived out of the way as Koma's head jerked back, trying to shake free of the needles that crept deeper into its flesh. Koma whipped back to right itself and bashed its face on the edge of the hole. The dock exploded into a mass of planks and torn metal bands. Nico was thrown off. The serpent, stunned, slipped through. 
Koma's weight and momentum carried it the rest of the way down through the hole, the Volkmir's black water spilling in after it, hissing over the smears of Koma's acid blood as it fell down through the hole in the world. Nico raised himself on hands and knees to crawl away, but the broken dock collapsed under their weight, toppling them into the hole. At the last moment, Nico caught a section of pylon, clinging with burnt-out arms and exhausted legs. The wood above them creaked. They panted, sweating, shaky. Silvery hair matted to their face, and ears still ringing from the Cosmo Serpent's horrible screams. They were in over their head, past fear, past bravery. This was exactly where Nico had aimed, and Nico never missed. Depleted, weary, Nico turned their eyes up to the lights of Starnheim, the short path to Journey's End, all Kaldheim's hope of home, and let go. Whether it was the wind or the fading magic, Nico felt colder. Heart-rending panic gnawed at the edges of Starnheim's ease. They raised one hand toward the light, every muscle burning and reached for a mirror. Avtir's hand clamped around their wrist. The light from his wings was soft as fireflies, his brown eyes gray in the strange glow. You... done watching, Reaper. Avtir looked at Nico the way Orhoft had, suspicion and hope all tangled together, hope a little stronger. Your fate isn't decided, yet. It's just someone else telling you who to be. Nico righted himself at the Valkyrie's side as the two plummeted together toward the battle. Avtir flapped his wings, holding tight and speeding down the path between worlds. A silver javelin formed in Nico's free hand, mirror bright and trailing a deep azure glow as a horde of Valkyries followed, lighting the way in gold and green, purple and orange, silver, scarlet and blue, a new rainbow born of a darker world. In this winter sky, the fall became flight. Thank you for listening to this production of Voice of All. As listener-supported entertainment, we rely on you not just for the voices of the characters, but also to keep us going and growing. If you enjoyed what you heard, please support us by reviewing and following us on your favorite podcast apps or YouTube, or just plain sharing with your friends. You can also support us financially on Patreon for exclusive perks. Aim Through the Target was written by Setsu Uzume. The podcast was produced and edited by Gendo Okeshi, with sound editing by Noxshade. This week's story featured the voice talents of Lara Chaplin, Jet Baker, Bryn Curry, Seth Hart, Rebecca Sternberg, Violet Legacy, Emily Doms, Daniel Barber, and Del Bells. Voice of All is unofficial fan content, permitted under the Wizards of the Coast fan content policy. Magic the Gathering is copyright Wizards of the Coast. Thanks so much for listening, and y'all have a great day.